What type of podcast do you listen to? Um, I like, well, I still listen to like one podcast. It's called like um, Start Here from ABC News. It's like 20 minutes of news every day. Uh-huh. Um, and then I also liked, what were the other ones that I liked back in the day? Um, you know Chapel Trap House? No. No, I do not know <laughs> Chapel Trap House. I used to listen to a lot of Chapel Trap House. That's what, uh-huh. what, radica- what radicalized me in like high school. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Um. So you're at Northwestern now. Oh, we're rolling. Yes, we are. <laughs> we did the thing. I was t- for the for the viewers at home. I was telling Hank that I um I hate when people are like, "Oh, are we rolling now?" Like when they start a podcast like that. I think it's like the most annoying thing. Now I have to turn on my like personality, like my on-air personality. So like now I have to like pretend not to um, be myself, even though this so podcast is about myself. Julia is a broadcast journalist mm-hmm. studying at Medill, just like me, um, at Northwestern. She is a sophomore, so my first question to you is why Northwestern? Ooh, I have to bring out my whole essay and everything, don't I? Do I have to do it in less than 500 words? Just be yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and tell okay, me why well, Northwestern. I'll tell you personality three versions of Julia, why I applied Northwestern. So um, growing up, like college wasn't really like at all a priority to me. Like I wasn't the best student in high school. Um, I had really grown up going to Title I schools, and I enrolled in early college my freshman year. Um, And the way I was enrolled in school was I did four years of high school in two years, and then my junior and senior year, I did. I was a communication studies major at at University of North Carolina Wilmington. Um, So I kind of started taking college and just like the idea of going to college more seriously around my sophomore junior year. Um, I really did not see myself going to a school like. like the one I went to in high school um let alone Northwestern so I really started getting inspired when I saw my brother go to college and he went to Alabama and um I visited the school I did like a lot of tours I did like a camp there one year like I really loved Alabama I liked the SEC culture I liked their communication studies program and just kind of the overall like school spirit Alabama has it's not too far from home but it's like still out of state um, and so Alabama was my dream school, even to the point where I was telling someone earlier today that my junior and senior year of high school, when I was a student at UNCW, I planned all my classes to transfer to Alabama. So every time I would enroll in a class, like, for example, I think one class was like an earth science class. I always made sure that it would transfer to Bama and it was eligible to transfer because I was really, really wanting to go to Alabama um, just because I didn't have the best grades. I didn't have the best test score. They gave out a lot of money. And um, they just were really like, oh, we'll take you if you just meet the bare minimum requirements. Right. Um, And then afterwards, um, I like planned all my classes to do that. Like I even didn't even take like I wanted to take an ocean science class for my science like elective or whatever. And like it wouldn't transfer to Bama. So I didn't end up taking it. Um, And then when it took time to apply to college, I think my junior year, um, I was like, obviously, it's a no brainer, Alabama. Um, And I took the ACT for the first time. I think it was like March 2020. And I took it and I was like, all I needed to do is score like, I think a 22 to get the scholarship I wanted Alabama and to like get into Bama. I had the 2.5 GPA requirement and I was like, yep, like I'm set. I just need to do like a 22 or whatever. And I ended up getting like a 21 or like a 20 on the ACT after I took it. No, it was like no big deal. Like, I'll just come back and take it like again. That's fine. I'm only two points away. Like I can just study harder, work harder, 
And this like weird thing happened March of 2020. It was like, I don't know, like they like kicked people out of like school and stuff. Do you remember that? What was it? It was like March 2020. It was like this weird thing. They were like. Oh, the COVID thing? Or what are you talking about? COVID? Sorry, that I don't know. I've never heard of that, at least not in North Carolina. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so I was like, no worries. I can just take it again. And throughout the summer, I think this was the summer going into my senior year, I was like, all right, I'm going to sign up to take a test. Oh, my God. The closest testing center that's open in like the summer is like five hours away. And this is in North Carolina. In North Carolina. And it, I, they didn't even take COVID too seriously, but I just think they, they like limited the numbers of like testing that they were eligible to take. Um, and they just had less testing centers. So it wasn't like completely, there was no testing. I just had to wait like months to do it. But I had applied to Alabama like early action by like August um, to get into like the housing I wanted and stuff like that or whatever they had. I wanted to get into like the the communications like studies major and like I think the honors college I was interested in. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, great. Like, cool. What do I do now? Um, and it kind of got to the point around August where I didn't have a test score. Alabama wasn't on my roster anymore just because I physically could not really get in um, and do the stuff that I wanted to do at Alabama. So I was like, what do I do? Um, but I had just, I think I realized that I really wanted to study journalism. I'd taken a journalism class at UNCW and I realized that I wanted to do something more specific than communication studies because I was really doing comm studies because one, it was easy, but it was so broad. Um, and then I did, um, I was like, you know what? I want to study journalism, but I want to make sure it's at school that I can do test optional because this test is not getting done by I did like December. Um, so I literally Googled like, like best colleges for journalism test optional and the school, Northwest, Northwestern, I came up and I thought to myself, that sounds, I thought it was a paid advertisement because it sounds like a fake college. Like one of those like college scams that like you pay money and you like it takes you for like a for-profit college like I really thought it was a for-profit college like um what's that one called like new university of like new ham you know those like new hampshire they have the commercials and like they just charge people a lot of money they never give financial aid it takes forever to get your degree like full sale you know those kinds of for-profit colleges um and I was like what like okay weird and then I clicked on it and it took me to the northwestern university and I saw the pictures and I was like this is not a community college. This is like real shit. And I was like, whoa. Wait, did, can I cuss? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'm just checking. I just want to make this a warm environment for you, Hank. Uh-huh. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Just be yourself. Um, But anyway, I also hate that when people on podcasts do that. Like, oh, can I cuss? <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> Please stop. Um, But anyway, I um, I like, you know, and like I saw it and I was like, and it has a great journalism program i wanted a college town like tuscaloosa but also like evanston's a college town but evanston has chicago which is really easy for like access to other stuff um i love this you know it's not a great sports school but you know big ten sports it's still a d1 school which i really liked um and just like top tier academics allegedly people said it was like fun I'd never heard of Northwestern ever in my life because like I'm from North Carolina, like nobody. It's honestly embarrassing when I go back home and people are like, where do you go to college? And I'm like, Northwestern. And they're like, is that in Washington? Like, sir, um, this is a top tier academic research institution. What are you talking about? Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's humbling sometimes. Um, but anyway, I, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And then I look at the acceptance rate. Mm-hmm. And it's 9%. And I will never forget seeing that and just my heart like dropping because I was like, there is no way I will get into a school like this. Like, 
like I told you, like I college was not on my radar really. Like I was doing well enough in school at this point to get into Alabama. I had made dean's list I think twice, um, and I re- like I there was I think the first time I made like all A's in school was like my first semester at UNCW my junior year because I just wasn't like I didn't have the best grades I wasn't involved I didn't really like high school at all so I just tried to avoid things with school growing up. Um, so I was like, ah, what do I do? And it ended up, um, I like looked up, okay, well maybe like they'll accept me, right? Like I'm, I'm a Hispanic woman. Like they, they, they don't have a lot of these here. Turns out they don't. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was like, okay, well, that's really cool. Okay. So I'm just going to look and, um, and just see, you know, and I looked at like the, the statistics for people that usually get in and it's like, oh, we only accept like like 97 percent of her incoming class is like the top 10 percent of their class and i was like 28 out of 58 and i will never forget like looking at my transcript to check what my class standing was and it was 28 out of 58 students and i was like whoa there's just no way i'll get in um but long story short i had i had ed'd um because i was like i know that this school is cool like cool school it's in god's hands but like i'm not going to put anything in face value because i just did not really work that hard in high school and i just i had a lot of you know, time adjusting from going to a Title I school to a school where I was expected to complete a high school diploma in two years. Like, it's a huge jump. I mean, I was like reading at a sixth grade level. I had like the math skills of a sixth grade. I was so academically behind freshman year that on top of just having accelerated studies, I also had to catch up. And I just felt like my teachers weren't like the most supportive. I felt like I didn't have like the same resources everyone else had at my school. And I just, I was like, well, like academics have always been not a priority for me because I just felt like, oh, I'm dumb. Like, I'm just the dumbest person in school. Um, and then I ED'd and I got deferred. And when I tell you I got deferred, I was so happy. I was the happiest person ever because I truly thought I was going to get rejected. And I was excited. Um, and I think in January, January, I got into UNC, which is, you know, in-state for me. So it's pretty, like, it's not horrible to get into. Like, it's a good school. Um, only thing was that, like, everybody in my high school goes to UNC. So I was like, maybe not the best school for me, but I can take what I can get. You know, I can you know, take, pay the in-state tuition. It'll be fine. I like put my diploma in to like live in Granville Towers that year and uh, just like put my deposit in. And I, this was like January, February. And then March, I got the letter or I got the acceptance letter of, I got in and I was like, it's obviously a no brainer, but I was so shocked still. And I was so mad because I think I paid like a couple hundred dollars to like in my, de- my, de- my deposit at UNC. So that's how I ended up here. Um, and I've liked it so far for the most part. I think it's a really good school and I've learned so much. That wow. was a really long-winded answer. That was probably the best why Northwestern I mean, it has answer. nothing to do with the school itself. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I thought I wasn't smart enough to get in, but somehow I was. But you <laughs> did and you're here and yeah. you're in the best journalism program. And I, it was very unexpected, but I, I love Medill. I think it's a great great and like academic program i've learned so much so and i've been able to apply it to like the things i've been working on so Mm -hmm. what do you think about the people who uh shit on medill i mean it's within reason right i feel like a lot of medill stereotypical medill people do deserve like the you know the hate sometimes sometimes bullying is tolerated but like sometimes it's warranted you know sometimes people need it um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm just joking because you know this is going online i have to say i'm joking but no um I think it's fair. Um, I think there's also it kind of has to do with the way we see journalists now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just like journalists are annoying. They don't tell the truth any of the time. And you have thousands of lectures of that in the middle. Like, oh, this is how people perceive journalists. 
I mean, journalists are ignoring a lot of people, like marginalized communities, you know, people who have been historically, you know, done wrong by the media. Um, and I think Medill is doing a really good job trying to like combat that. And like we've done like dozens of lectures at Medill about that and like like recognizing biases and like in reporting. It's a huge, huge topic in Medill. And I think, you know, compared to other universities that have a journalism program, like nobody else is doing that. Like at least that's what I like feel like. But mm-hmm. yeah. So. Once you got to Northwestern, um, you said you had trouble, or not trouble, but issues with, like, paying for Northwestern. So could you, like, go a little into that as well? I mean, it wasn't horrible just because, you know, I'm an independent student. I have financial aid. Like, I really tried to try to find, like, a job on campus. And I feel like Northwestern financial aid is very, very, like, great compared to other schools because like unc and other schools did not give me any money at all um and northwestern was like the only one that was like yeah we're gonna take care of you so i'm i'm paying less money i think than i would be paying in unc um so i've definitely i mean i worked full-time in high school um at starbucks my senior year just to because i knew i wanted to go to college and it was something i was really wanting to do and then also um some of my classes at uncw were virtual so i had like more extra time so i would literally wake up at 4 a.m to get to my shift at 4.30 a.m. Um, and then I would work till one and then I had class at two. Um, so it was very much like I had to work really, really hard to get in. Um, but at the same time, I'm really proud of myself that I did that and that I pushed myself to do that um, because that's not an experience everyone at Northwestern say, the North, Northwestern could say they did. I think it has to do with a lot of the machismo culture. I'm fully Honduran. So my parents, um, I think it's more just like they don't really see women going to college like that um i know they were a lot more supportive with my brother um but i just think it's more like you know oh we didn't really expect you to go to college or at least a college like northwestern um so that's just you know like with my brother they did a lot of stuff with him and um and you know they weren't like completely cold with me and were like you can't go to school they're just like oh you want to go to school in illinois like why like why is that necessary like literally my first my first day at wildcat welcome like my freshman year my parents were like scouting like people to like get me with (laughs) so they were just like oh that guy looks so nice you should talk to him like so they definitely really they've always kind of seen women women's role as women take care of the children they take care of the house they take care of their husbands and that's kind of the way I was raised my mom is still like you know you should probably be thinking about that and like still kind of like pressuring me to you know have kids like every time I see her she's just like okay when are we having grandchildren um so it's just that kind of like culture that exists that in Hispanic communities that's why you don't see a lot of Latina women um in schools like Northwestern I mean like not a lot of there's not a lot of spots to give and there's not a lot of women applying for these you know like spaces at Northwest or like at schools like Northwestern so would I say that helped me get in maybe maybe I don't know like I mean it's just not very common for Latina women to pursue higher education versus in like especially like top tier like academic institutions like Northwestern so yeah um and so how was that like growing up like just in general with your family and then high school um what type of crowd did you were you attracted Mm -hmm. to yeah so I don't know high school was really rough for me I mean my family like I just wasn't close to my family really growing up like it just was didn't really exist <laughs> so um I I wasn't too close to my family um but um in high school I didn't hang out with the best people I think like freshman year like I just wasn't attracting the best people I think I 
lot of people I hung out with like really brought out the worst in me um and so I really hurt a lot of people with the way I behaved because it wasn't just I was hanging out with horrible people they're making me horrible it was legitimately like I was going through a lot mentally um I was at a school that I felt so academically behind in and like socially behind in like there wasn't like many people of color at my school either um so it just really felt like I went to a school that like I think my middle school had like a 90 percent of students who qualified for free to reduce lunch and it was a majority student of color um and it was it was different coming from that than to like a predominantly white school um where I was academically behind I felt socially behind and I was just not going through the best mentally because I just felt like I was stupid all the time especially at a really you know advanced high school um and I just didn't have a lot of support at you know in the home um and I just met with the first people that I I like could me and that looked nice um and so I didn't you know and I just it really regressed and then by like sophomore year I realized oh my god like I I don't like I don't fit like we're just fighting all the time and stuff like that and um I just realized you know like it's just not like a very like I mean it's better to have no friends and friends that are make, gonna make me a worse person in my high school um so I only ended up with like a couple friends like very loosely I would eat, I remember eating lunch alone a lot sophomore year um, but it got but better because by junior year, I never went to like my high school, really, like unless I had to like sign something or do whatever. Um, I was like full time at UNCW. So I got to meet more people at UNCW. Obviously, it was I mean, UNCW is like not diverse at all. But I think people there were just a lot nicer and kinder than the people at my um, like high school. But I did have a lot of friends outside of school that really made me feel supportive. And I actually started really hanging out with them, I think, like sophomore, junior year after I realized I didn't have the best friends in high school. Um, and so they always like provided me with like, you know, love and we were like my second family. And how is Northwestern compared to that? To the environment, like what to what? To your environment at home. At home. Well, yeah, I am from, I'm from like, you know, North Carolina. So it's very different, I would say. Like, I did, was not realizing, you know, Evanston, Illinois to be different than my hometown in North Carolina. I just never thought it would be. Um, but it's a lot of different. I mean, the good things about Evanston is that it has amazing public transportation. I'm, like, obsessed with taking the L, taking the CTA, taking, like, all the buses they have here. Um, and then they go, y'all have sidewalks. Like, isn't yeah. that crazy? Like, when people are, like like you guys didn't have sidewalks in North Carolina I'm like uh -huh. no we were the trenches like we were so deep in hell like we just did not have sidewalks like that so it's a very walkable pedestrian friendly city versus like back home I had to drive everywhere and if, you know something could be like four minutes away but I still had to drive because it's just impossible to get around so um I think that's the coolest part about Northwestern um like or at least like not Northwestern but like Evanston and like the community around here also people back home I just feel like are a lot nicer and like more friendly and more open and stuff like that because I feel like a lot of people here come from cities and cities like you don't talk to strangers you don't like you know like talk to homeless people and I I didn't realize that like I was raised in my like um like I, my parents raised me growing up like you always keep an extra you know dollar like in your glove compartment to give to homeless people and you always ask them how their day is doing and you know god bless them and I just think that it's um it's very different the culture here like at least in Evanston it would it shocked me a lot because I would just talk to people in the elevator and try to talk to everyone and they were like why is this girl talking to me like 
what does she have like what does she want from me and I just wanted to get to know people so um, some people are nice here though I will say some people are like really receptive to that um but just kind of eat but like in Evanston like nobody says hi to each other nobody or like in Chicago nobody like is like holding the door for you you just slams on your face and you're like what just happened you know so how about like the people at Northwestern the people at Northwestern um I mean I would say kind of the same answer like um it's different like people here are a lot um I mean it's a top tier academic institution like people here are going to be a little more you know stuck up more receptive to things and like not wanting to talk to you um that pretty much shocked me too um it was the same like kind of culture shock that I had because at UNCW like everybody talked to each other everybody like wanted to get to know you everybody like was very supportive of you um and I don't think Northwestern's not any of those things I just think it's like a lot of people just didn't grow up in that kind of like relaxed you know beach culture from my hometown um and it's just different like you know you just grew up differently so I had to realize like oh it's not like my fault it's just people are raised differently um so yeah did you ever feel like you didn't belong yeah absolutely I mean not just like academically I just felt so I am like people here it was just hard you're like you're I'm in a new state and stuff like that but also like at a school that I didn't think I was gonna get into the first place um so I was very much like oh like I like I just had really bad imposter syndrome freshman year like it really took me a long time to feel like I I was I belonged here and I didn't just get in because of how I look and my you know culture my background um so yeah, I felt a lot like that. Um, and I actually being a PA um, this year has brought back old feelings from my PA. But I remember she told me like I, w- I wasn't really nervous about starting like about moving away from home. I wasn't nervous about making friends at first. Um, but she told me, Julia, Northwestern would never fuck up its statistics for you. And that changed my life. And every time I felt like I didn't belong, I would always like think about that. And I told that to my PA kids. And I feel like it truly has an impact that like the school would not mess up its reputation for you. You got in on your own merit. And I think that's one of the things that I try to like tell my PA kids because a lot of PA students, especially more common in, um, you know, freshmen of color, they don't feel like they belong here. So I always like to bestow that wisdom to them. Yeah, I really like that. So we're currently recording this podcast in Tri-Delt, <laughs> yes. your sorority house. Mm-hmm. So how, what made you decide to want to be a part of a sorority Mm -hmm. um how was that whole process like do you recommend that to other people who are you know thinking about greek life on campus at northwestern yeah absolutely so you know growing up in north carolina i knew a lot of people who were involved in greek life so i mean i told you i wanted to go alabama like i knew people in sororities like i knew i had like people that i like talked to before and they always had really good experiences about it um, but you forget that Alabama is mostly white people, especially in Greek life. They have a lot of issues in their Greek system and Panhellenic system. Um, but, you know, Northwestern, I think that's one of the reasons why I was drawn into Northwestern, because I was like, oh, they have Greek life. That's cool. I could always rush and join a sorority. So I always was like, yeah, I want to join a school that like has Greek life. Um, and, you know, at Northwestern, I think you might have covered it in your last episode. I'm actually a really big fan of Hank's podcast. And I did a little bit of as we say in the journalism world, VO, Vo, in his last podcast, so. Oh, yeah, she did a voiceover um, for, like, half a second. And I and I was like, you have to send me it when you're done. Because I actually didn't even know what it was really about. I was like, just send me it. And I, you know, listened to 
to the two girls talk and I was like this is so messed up like that's awful so there's just a lot of downsides with Greek life at Northwestern like not just Greek life at Northwestern but Greek life in general um and I was you know there's I think that in the past three years especially being on Panhellenic and having an executive uh you know kind of being on executive board of Tri-Delta, we've, we've been putting in like blood, sweat and tears into making it a more equitable system. I mean, I'm saving so much money living in the house. I'm like, you know, I'm not pay, I'm paying like $500, $600 a month versus when I was in Lincoln, I think it was like a couple, like it was like a thousand and something. So it's literally half of the cost of living on campus. So I couldn't recommend that and more for financial reasons. I mean, the dues kind of are a barrier at first, but it really pays back to them. Um, and the criticisms of Greek life are very, very fair. And I always try to, like, educate myself listening to it. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the, like, it's kind of ironic that some people at Northwestern are, you know, calling Greek life classes when they don't realize, oh, like, first of all, your parents pay to your tuition. Classes shouldn't be in your, your vocabulary. If your parents are paying for your tuition, it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, half of Northwestern pays the full tuition. <sighs> I wish you, wasn't, you weren't going to remind me. Anyways, go on. Anyway, so I would not be, you know, it's a lot of those people being like Greek life is a classist system and their parents are paying their tuition. And I'm like, you've never worked a job in your life. Like you can't call anything classes. Thank you for that fact. That just made my stomach like turn. Uh, anyway, so I was like, this is not great. Like this is not like this is like it's just it felt kind of like it those kinds of people who are calling things classes and labeling it are taking away from you know people of color people who have actually been discriminated in greek life and their experiences like it feels like they're also invalidating them and taking that space away you know when you're white and saying something is racist and it's like you're white please just sit down and listen like you don't have to you know because people of color have actually been discriminated in and are still being discriminated in greek life um so personally with my chapter we're trying to combat that obviously but we do have things slip away people say stuff um so it's more just about prevention and educating members because people are terrible everywhere right um but yeah i um, wanted to rush at northwestern in january so i did rush and i actually had a really good experience in rush um as you know your podcast revealed that is not the case with everyone um, uh -huh. I got really lucky and I also had a lot of friends who have gone through rush. And so I knew a lot about rushing and like what to say, like how to kind of, I wasn't looking for the chapter that, you know, everyone liked. I was looking for a chapter that I could be myself in because ultimately in winter quarter, I didn't feel like I had a lot of friends. So I was like, I want a chapter where I can make friends and be myself in. Um, and the first day I talked to Tri-Delta on set one, the last day, and I fell in love. And I told everyone, I was like, I love Tri-Delta. And they're like, don't they have like two members? And I'm like, yeah, but I love them. And everyone's like, you're so weird. Like, what? So, you know, I got a full schedule the next day and I was so excited. But, and I gave everyone, obviously I wasn't going to like go with just Tri-Delta. I gave everyone a fair chance. Even the people that like, you know, were like, I'm not talking to the sorority. I'm going to like be really mean so they can drop me. Like, I tried talking to everyone because I truly felt like I could see myself in every single sorority. And which I know is not the case in most, with a lot of people, but I feel like I could really like you know be friends with everybody in any sorority and also like i'm not gonna say no to cheaper housing next year like mm -hmm. that's kind of a, that's like a no-brainer for me like i have to i kind of have to at this point because i'm paid the rush fee and i need cheaper housing like, i'm not living in like jones and paying the same amount i would be living in lincoln like mm -hmm. no um so i paid the um so i went through with it i was really in between tri-delta and other sorority at the end of it and it was a really hard decision I cried because I love this other sorority as well. 
And everyone told me to go with the other sorority because, again, Chi Delta has like five members. Just, you know, they had they had a couple members, not just five. Right. Um, but I just really felt like I could at the end of the day, I really felt like I could be my genuine self in Tri Delta. Um, and I think that was it was the right decision for me um, just to not listen to anyone else and listen to what I wanted. And I really ended up making a good decision because every person I met at Tri Delta has been the kindest person alive. So. So, yeah, what are the perks of living here in a sorority house? The meal plan is great. The chef is awesome so far. Um, Really, really fun just to actually, you know, I felt like I was sitting alone in the dining halls most days. But here I'm like, you know, I can just sit anywhere and feel immediately welcomed, which I think is really sweet. Um, And also the meals are great. They're cheaper than the meal plan at Northwestern. Um, And I love the like snacks we get. You know, it's just really great perks. I love being on South Campus, too, just because I'm in Medill. So all my classes are self. I kind of miss North Campus a little bit, um, but I think it's just nice to have always have someone like I could just walk into someone's room and just talk to them. I've like I've actually gotten like no work done being in the sorority house because I'm always like talking to people and like, you know, getting to know people because there's still a lot of people that I have yet to meet in my pledge class. Um, so I've just been talking to everyone and just getting to know everyone. Um, so that's really fun. It's like the friendship part, but also being um, in on exec. I I made a decision that I wanted to be on exact freshman year because I was like, number one, I'm not going to take this seriously by sophomore year. Like, there's no way I'm going to, like, still want to do all this stuff by, you know, sophomore junior, something that's, like, actually serious. Like, I'll be focusing on, like, my professional career. But I was like, it's great to have a leadership position in something that I know I can, like, w- like learn a lot from. And the older, like, members of Tridelta are so, so, like, I've learned so much from them. And I feel like, I truly feel like sisterhood with that. Like, they've really guided me you know, being like a freshman on exec, like what, what with what to do and like how to do things. And also we reestablished our chapter in 2020 when um, I think they disbanded and like I think only like a couple people stayed and they like had to essentially start from scratch again. Um, so it, we've been getting to make our own bylaws. We've been kind of getting to form a sorority we want to be, um, which is really fun because I'm not only gaining leadership skills, but I'm also learning like how to build because we are like a multi hundred thousand dollar like business here. Like we manage a lot of money. We have to know how to manage it and how to like, you know, keep stuff and like, like file all that. You know, I don't, I'm not really a financial person. I still have to like, you know, I just, and I work with really cool people. So that's really fun. Um, And I've just, and also it's just really great to support an amazing philanthropy like St. Jude. Um, So there's a lot of perks to it. And that's what I'm saying. Like, obviously there's issues, but there's a lot of perks that could be made for, especially when you're building an organization from the ground up again, you get to make your own kind of rules and kind of make the sorority better and fit everyone and make it more modernized so yeah i think um a lot of people have issues with sororities mm-hmm. or fraternities just because of like rumors they hear about one or two sororities or fraternities i think it can be a good thing if it's a lot of good people um i mean the idea of sisterhood <laughs> like in college it's hard like making friends is hard you know, mm. finding right people is hard. And um, I feel like the sorority process, the way you described it, really just gave you a platform to find the people you really like and be able to really form a bond. And how many people live here? Didn't you say like 40 something people? Yeah, I was told it was like 53, but people are studying abroad right now. So we might be at like 40. So it's not just five people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what you say. People say, heard like, oh, it's like five people, but like yeah like it's it's a really good community um why didn't you rush um the thing is i never it just never occurred to me like you grew up in like a community of people 
um i feel like when i was in mississippi a little more but i just never belonged to that crowd of people who would like go and rush and do greek life because mississippi has a huge greek life like everyone toddy <laughs> That's uh, that's our rival school. Oh, you're you're Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Yeah, Hale State. State. There you go. Um, that's where we lived for seven years. But I mean, that was also when we were younger. We moved around just too much. Drink water. I'm sorry. You <laughs> moved. I'm sorry. You said you moved. We around. moved around. Yeah, and uh, so that that just that culture never like rubbed off on me. And then I just didn't think of you know I needed to once I found my friends. Anyways, um, so. I also wanted to ask you, you worked at Spectrum News mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over the summer. So you so you finished your freshman year you at Medill. You really stalked my Instagram. No, I just know you. No, you don't. Um, this is our third time meeting. This is a lie. Anyways, um, she finished her Medill, like, first year, and you got a great internship at a broadcast Spectrum News network. So how was that? And, like, did being in Medill help you? Mm-hmm. I was telling someone this because someone was like, it literally, someone in my sorority, we were at lunch and she was like, you guys did this like how-to assignment that was really hard. I was like, don't even get me started about how hard it was because it was all about sequencing and like making sequences. And it was like for, you know, broadcast journalism. I think you guys did that probably last year. It was like the how-to assignment. And it was like, I hated it. Like I had COVID. Like I, I, I like did really bad the first time and then I redid it. I got a bad grade the second time and she said, okay, you can do it one more time and I'll regrade it. And I was like, great. And I got COVID and I filmed this person I knew who was living on my floor in Hinman um, do, making like mac and cheese. And it was so hard to put together. I had to call one of my friends back home who's like a film major and be like, how do you edit this on Premiere? What is the sequence? And it took me a long time to get it. And I literally thought, when am I ever going to use this in news? And I literally, all the stories I did this year, this summer, I all had sequences and like, I barely had any cutaways. I barely had. Wait, any so talks. you never were interested in broadcast? No, 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 no. Like sequencing. I was like, when am I ever going to sequence? Because I've only done stories before that where I would just do still shots of things. Mm-hmm. Like why not like a really consecutive sequence. I would do like a white tight medium, but it would just be it, like, it would like have a lot of like jump cuts. Right. Jump so cut. I like okay. I was like, when am I ever gonna use this in real life? Like in you know broadcast? Like I don't don't because re- when you look at sequences, you never notice it. Um, but yeah, so I I learned Medill really prepared me. I mean, being part of the broadcast station, um, a lot of the older people mentored me here as well, and the professors are amazing. Um, truly like top notch professors. Which ones? Supportive. Well, shout out to Dr. Greenwell because she really helped me with um you know my broadcasting ability and stuff like that. Like. Um, and just kind of feeling more confident. I like really gained a lot from that class. Um, with Which video class? Journalism. 2012. So uh, I think it's called uh, multimedia journalism. And it's just like you just do packages like stuff. Um, and then obviously people at the broadcast station are really great too because they really guide you and help you through everything. Um, and I learned a lot through Medill. I wouldn't have been able to, you know, not even get this internship if it were for Medill. Um, and I went in on my first day of work and I was very nervous because technically I think you had to have like you had to be like a sophomore or a junior to apply for this internship but I was still a freshman and I just was like hey like I'm technically still a freshman but I have credits they're like okay you can like still like apply from you UNCW yeah Yeah. so like technically like if if it wasn't for UNCW I wouldn't have gotten it um but I was really shocked when I got it because um my my one of my my boss actually told me on the last day of work like 
I didn't really want to hire you because you're a freshman and everyone was telling me not to hire the freshman, but you're, you just, you had a good interview. And I was you like, had an amazing interview? Yeah, that's what she said. I don't think, she was just like, I just couldn't say no, like you had a really good interview. And she was like, you know, I was really hesitant to hire a freshman and I, I gained so much. I mean, great mentors at Spectrum, but I also thought it was really interesting working for kind of like an unorthodox, you know, news station Spectrum is. Spectrum, um, at least if for the people who don't have Spectrum, it's like a cable company and they have a news division and it's 24-7 local news all day. Um, so you typically see it at your dentist's office or the doctor's office playing in the background um, and it's very localized. So it's statewide in North Carolina. I know in some markets it's not statewide, but it's state, statewide in North Carolina. So we cover the entire state. Um, and I worked in Raleigh, so I was two hours from home and I was like living on my own for the first time, which was really interesting. And I, um, yeah, so I, I really learned a lot through Spectrum. Um, I also thought it was interesting that the stories they told were character driven stories. So they didn't, you know, they wouldn't really cover like, a, they wouldn't do a package on like a festival or like, you know, a, um, a sports game. They would do it more on like the sports player or the person organizing the festival instead of just like, oh, here's this festival that's going on. Let's, you know take a video a minute and 30 seconds done and it was also longer stories so it'd be like two to three minutes long and you'd really get to know the person and I think that's key to you know local news staying relevant is getting to know the community and the people in it and like really focusing on like who they are not what they do um so I thought that was really really an interesting and fresh approach to news um and they didn't cover crime which is really interesting I mean obviously they would cover like something really big like a lot of officer involved shootings in um North Carolina I think there was a couple officer shootings um in the summer which was very very rare um because there's not many um but yeah there was a lot um in the summer so that was very interesting covering that um and just getting to know you know an officer's family and like what are they going through and stuff like that instead of just you know an officer was shot. Here's a we're looking for the person that killed them. We're more focusing on who here's who the officer is instead of the suspect or who whatever. Um and or vice versa if that happened in the other vice versa. Um so that was very interesting. Also North Carolina is a purple state. So we have, you know, big cities like Raleigh who lean left and then you just go twenty minutes outside of Raleigh and it's a very red county or whatever. Um, so that was very interesting getting to see different sides perspectives. We covered all sides of the political spectrum at Spectrum. Oh, that was gas. <laughs> that was so gas. Uh, not to be a Spectrum plug, but it was a really great internship. I really felt like I was welcomed and I really felt that like I learned a lot and I've just gotten better at storytelling and I, it's definitely made me better feel like really great about wanting to go into local news. And is that what's next for you i think so i mean i'm not going to count anything out i definitely want to try everything um you know producing everything really, like i got i got to like you know help out with producing at spectrum um i also like love telling stories i like being on air so i like doing everything in news um i'm taking a class right now first div class for broadcast it was like producing in broadcast um so that is really fun so i like everything in broadcast news for so far but i definitely can see myself doing video only no print why not because I just, I, I feel like broadcast is more creative, yet you still have, like, limits to it. Like, you can't, you know, just film a documentary and it's a free reign. It's more like you have structure, but you can still be creative with it and you can still, you know, get to know a person well. And do you think television will be relevant? That's a good question. I think it's funny because Spectrum was one of the only, like, news stations in um the country that was still growing like they're still expanding in markets um 
But I think if television, if television stations, like local news will always be relevant. Nothing else will replace local news for sure. I just think the way in we consume local news is different. I mean, you've heard a lot about the newspapers getting bought out by hedge funds and stuff like that. Like we, nobody really reads the newspaper anymore. People just read on their phone and same thing goes with television. You're just going to see more streaming on demand stuff. And if news stations don't change that, then they're kind of doomed. So I think, you know, I think video will always be relevant, TV not so much. And also we still had a lot of lo- like viewers who would call into the station and be like, I saw this on TV and I didn't like it. Or I saw this on TV and I loved it. And I was shocked. That was like kind of a shocker for me. I was like, who still watches this? Like people like people forget that the millennial generation, not millennial, the Gen X generation is still, you know, relying on TV news to get their news. Um, and they, they're still here. They're still going to be around for a couple more years. Obviously, millennials are going to want to have a more on-demand version of that. but um, we're just nothing's ever gonna replace journalism, you know. Knock on wood. Yeah, I like how that sounds. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. Nothing will ever replace journalism. How do you feel about journalism, Mister Journalism Major? Um, yeah. All right. Well, you've heard it here first. <laughs> um. So. I think journalism needs to. We're waiting, Hink. Uh, no, like the thing is, journalism is something that needs to advance really quickly because people are changing. Like the way people consume information is changing at a very, very rapid rate right now. And if we as journalists don't keep up with that, that's, it's going to be detrimental, especially because like we we feel like news just comes out of nowhere like oh my god this is like news like oh my god it's news like why wouldn't you know that but you wouldn't know that unless some local news reporter dug into you know this idea like maybe there was a school official that was paying themselves more than the president was there's there has been stories like that but we would have never known that if not for just some random reporter looking through the records of the school and the payrolls and checking it like no one would know these things we we think that it's just like oh stories just pop out of nowhere no like there's a journalist there's a person behind it digging but then if they find these stories but they don't know how to get it out there that's like the issue like people need to know certain things like i've dug into this is embarrassing but i've dug into QAnon before <laughs> If you, you would be the familiar. kind of guy no, like, to into QAnon. <laughs> um, back when I was like in fall of freshman year, I was just like really you were, interested. You were really into QAnon and what he had to say. I was just really you interested. Like, I love this stuff. In like the news coverage said. of it. Yeah, no, no. for sure. Like, because the news coverage <laughs> of it, I would look at it and they would like say, oh, 4chan, blah, 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 blah. Um, Wait, but, what's 4chan? Um, it's, it's this really decentralized. Um, <laughs> I know you know it. Is that with the frog? It's it's uh it's it's this place where you can post anything but you won't get taken down. You know how like Twitter if you post anything you'll get taken down like Yeah, I know Twitter. I've never heard of There's H-chan. places HN? How did you know that? Anyway, I just made it. I sorry, so I I dug into that, mm-hmm. right? And when you go and actually look at what they're posting, which a lot of journalists I think would be very advert like not like against right like first of all it's hard to find it it took me a long time to actually find 
the actual like thread and i'm just, i think most journalists wouldn't go into it that deep but what you find is you know a lot of racism a lot of all of that but also a lot of sourcing to local news and a lot of connecting random local news events that other news networks might not do just because it doesn't fit their agenda but they like source like 10 local news networks and it's like this is a pattern going on like there's people out there that like do that and so i think first of all discrediting that sort of thing like it's easy but actually going in there and learning what they're about is harder i'm not saying they should have any credibility whatsoever i'm saying that it's just a very loose community like so with journalism in general i feel like local news has to continue except it's dying because no one watches the local news. Like I was looking at statistics earlier in class and they were saying like around 44% of people age 50 to 65 watch the television for news. And that number drops to like 30% or 20% or 8% when you go down the, the age, age yeah. right? And it's concerning. Um, and that's why if you go to any local news network, they'll start like throwing ads at you. They need to be making the money. They need money. They're like dying in that sense. And they're getting bought out by hedge funds and all of that. But then once that disappears, we're, we're, we're left with no one to dig. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's an issue. And so somehow we have to find a way. Streaming on demand no one's got time to sit through commercials no more Uh so i think i see what you're saying and i i totally agree um but yeah and a lot of these big um journalism like you know affiliates are like owned by like Nexstar or like um sinclair so they have like these big kind of companies who like rule them and you know sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing where it's like they have too much power um and sometimes positions are like we don't want to you know get we want to have integrity so it really depends. Yeah. Um. Anyways, hopefully there will be a future for us. For Especially us we're us middle students that want to be a journalist. I know a lot of middle people who would not be a journalist ever. Well, like, guess what? You're my favorite middle person. Well, you are one of my favorite middle one? people. You are probably my favorite middle person. I have to go one through of? every... Okay, my girlfriend is. The oh, middle, okay, okay, okay. So, so can I be second favorite? I'm um, sure. Okay. Yes, you can be my second favorite middle person. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> um, this has been the Northwestern. <gasps> this has been. Is this thing on? <laughs> this has been the, the Northwestern, Northwestern People, People podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Hank, Hank Yang. Yang, and I'm Hank Yang. And we wish you. This a good is night. Julia. This has been Julia Narvaez. Okay. Ungia. Good night. And thank you for listening. Can we get 10 seconds of just... Pad? I know what pad is. Ambient. Ambient noise. I know what pad. It's called pad, actually. But really? Go off. Yeah, but you're, you're not in a deal. What the fuck up? <laughs> okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.